Or turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. And we'll be looking at verse 7 especially. I want to just put on the screen this picture. Not sure if you've ever seen this film. If you haven't, then it certainly is an interesting film, to say the least. Uh, And in this film, Spies in Disguise, there's a character called Lance Sterling. And he's not only good at his job, he knows he's good at his job. And he loves everyone to say wow before him. Indeed, there's one point in the film where Lance ends up shaking the man's hand. And the man is so pleased that the great, the mighty, Lance Sterling has shaken his hand. He says, I'm never going to wash my hand again. This is amazing. Such is the reputation of this man, Lance Sterling. You see, Lance in loved being the greatest. And he had no time for lesser people around him. The emperors of old had that similar attitude of grasping power. The attitude where they believe that they are the best, the greatest. Indeed, those emperors of old pushed it to its limit because, well, they believed... Or at least they like to think that everyone around them, to to everyone around them, that they were gods in human form. That they were divine. And they loved everyone, treating them as if they were God. And they loved the power that that brought to them and all the benefits that came with it. Adam and Eve, going right back at the beginning of the Bible, grasped for the knowledge of being like God knowing good and evil. Indeed, grasping that, that, that power, they wanted to be like God. They grasped the, the fruit, that forbidden fruit in the garden. And if we're honest this morning, our own default position is much the same, isn't it not? If we're honest, what do you want? You want the greatest gifts. You want, the, you want a, a, a great position, or at least maybe a more, a, a more riches than you currently have. More power, more influence. We all want that, just that little bit more. We wouldn't, in and of ourselves, choose the humble position. Well, at Christmas, with the birth of the baby in Bethlehem, we see a completely different way of thinking. Our default is wrong. It is rebellious. Here we see, there in Bethlehem, something amazing. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, really shines a spotlight on this. It's there on the screen to save you having a look at your Bibles, but obviously do also look at your Bibles as we look at other passages as well. But Philippians 2 verse 7 really shines a spotlight onto Christ's attitude. And it's taken from some stunning poetry. Indeed, many think that this was originally uh, one of the very first Christian hymns. Whether that's true or not, I'll leave that for the scholars to debate. Not for us this morning to consider. But it certainly is 
fitting that we look at this because, as you know, we've been looking at songs on our Christmas playlist, songs from the Christmas story. And here is a song, clearly, or at least poetic words that help us to understand what the Christmas story is all about. And this morning, I want us to very briefly consider Christ's astounding humility. And then to briefly consider the challenge that this brings all those who trust in him. So let's then have a look at Christ's astounding humility. Just have a look at verses, verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7. I've highlighted it on the screen. We read here that he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Just consider that moment, that, 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 that statement for a moment. Referring to Jesus Christ, what do we read? He made himself nothing by being made in human likeness. He made himself nothing. He himself took on frail flesh. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? Just, just, just meditate on that for a moment. But when I was born, I had no independent life beforehand. I had no pre-existence. And I certainly had no say in my birth. And yet we read here that Jesus Christ made himself nothing. That he chose to be clothed with human flesh. And what is more, he chose not to be born in a palace, in a, in a plush uh, hotel or, a, or a, uh, a hospital, but born in utter poverty and laid in a feeding trough. That was such that our Lord chose. And it is clear from this passage that Jesus Christ had a life before he came. And look at verse 6, just back up a little bit in verse 6. Here we have a massive clue as to who Jesus really is. We read that Jesus really is in very nature God. God, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, was with the Father and the Spirit before the foundation of the world. He flung stars into, into space, as we sung earlier. Before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. A claim that he is equal to the, to the eternal one revealed in the Old Testament. Indeed, one with the one who rescued God's people from Egypt. And, and, and here's the wonder of it. Though he was in very nature God, look at verse 6, we read, he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Jesus did not grasp the power that was truly his to be used in ways that were not in keeping with his father's way and desire. Indeed, there is no truth in the idea that Jesus carved birds out of wood and then flew them up in the air and watched them fly away. There's no truth in that. And there's certainly no truth in the idea that when he was bullied at school that he called down fire on his enemies to consume them. That is just make-believe. Indeed, the opposite 
is seen in the scriptures. Because what happened when Jesus was arrested? He said he could have called down angels to rescue him. Legions of angels to save him. Such was his position. Now if you and me have a hotline to heaven and we could call down angels, I think we probably would use it quite often, wouldn't we? But Jesus chose not to. He had all those rights and he laid them aside for you and for me. And so at Christmas time, that is what we celebrate. We celebrate one who is in very nature God, chose to be made a servant. He humbled himself. He took on frail flesh. God the Son did not cease to be God when he became man. The Bible's clear that Jesus did many things to show that he was still in nature God. Forgiving sins, calming the storms, and name but two. But the wonder of Christmas and what we celebrate today is that he took on frail flesh. That he came to serve and to save. To the Jehovah's Witnesses, he's only a spirit person. Whom God created first. That's all he is. Muslims cannot imagine how a high and exalted God could ever be clothed with frail flesh. I I spoke to one um, uh, Muslim gentleman and and, uh, I, I quoted the Quran to him and I said, Doesn't it say in the Quran, Lo Allah is able to do all things? Is it not possible he could take on? frail flesh. And the man said to me with a, 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 an aghast uh, uh, um, sound. I said, oh, yes, Allah can do all things, but it'd have to be crazy to become a man. You see, the Bible teaches actually God the Son did take on frail flesh. And he went through it all to rescue us. Look at verse 8. He chose to go through all that suffering, being human, all those indignities that come with being human, so that he can be the perfect sacrifice. He humbled himself by becoming, what do we read? Obedient to death, even death on a cross. All of this was so that he could be the saviour, the saviour of the world. What's it the angels say? Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born. And therefore, in the light of Christ's astounding, astounding humility, we can say, our God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. Hallelujah, what a saviour. And so, as we've reflected on his astounding humility, it is right that we meditate, that we marvel, that we celebrate his great humility. It's also a given that you must trust in him. You must trust in him. There's no other way that you can be saved. There's no other way that you can get comfort from him unless you put your trust in him. We said earlier that Jesus is the greatest gift. But even the greatest gift can be left on the shelf, can't it? We can reject it and turn our back on that gift. 
And so this Christmas morning, I exhort every one of you, if you have not discovered the greatest gift lying in a manger, then why not? Why will you not discover it this year? Put your trust in Jesus. Turn from your self-rule and see one who has come. The one who humbled himself has now been exalted and that all those who put their trust in him shall have life everlasting. And that joy, that greatest gift can be yours today. And yet the purpose of this passage is actually to also to help us to give us that challenge that you are to imitate his astounding humility. You are to have the same mindset, the same attitude, the same way of thinking that Jesus Christ had. Paul says that if you have truly received his grace and all that flows from it, you are to live like this. Just back up to verse 3. It's not on the screen. Apologies for that. But verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility can value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So this astounding humility, Paul says, is also not only your life, your comfort and everything else. It's also your example. It is the, the golden seal of standard. The golden service seal to say, this is how you should live. Sadly, it's true, isn't it, that the church history is full of examples where Christians get this so badly wrong. Just two chapters later, we read of two faithful women, people who had served at Paul's side. They were fighting with one another. And Paul has to publicly rebuke them. Why were they fighting? Well, we don't know the exact reason, but it's clear, isn't it? Both of them thought they were right. Isn't that true with you and me today? Whenever we have an argument or a disagreement, it's always us that's right. <laughs> always. Always me. I'm always right. The other person is always wrong. And yet if we consider ourselves others better than ourselves, then we will have both is to listen to what they're saying, to comprehend where they're actually coming from, to understand, or even to give them room to change, and to be gracious and kind to them, and to stop arguments from spreading and grabbing hold. Isn't it true that we hold on to gripes and grievances, refusing to give way? We can be so absorbed in our own world that we forget the needs of others. We think we're king when the one who truly is king came into the world for us to rescue us. There are so many things which, which we get wrong. How can we ever hope to love one another and regard others as superior to ourselves? Well, how can we do that? We have a look at Jesus. We reflect on his astounding humility. We see the bigger picture of God's purposes through our service 
and asking God to help us to serve him. Indeed, if we all seek God's will, like our Saviour did, who sought his Father's will, then there would never be any room for disagreement because we'll all be literally reading from the same Bible. We'll all be, our lives will be shaped by him and will be correctly orientated around him. Isn't it true what we read in Matthew 20? Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. And so today, Christmas Day, you're going to have lots of choices. I don't mean, shall I open the big present first or the little present first? But do you get upset when others get more food or bigger presents than those around you? Or do you? Or are you glad for them and actually get up and help them? It's a small thing. It is right that we maintain theological precision. But do you do so with an attitude that you are always right and that you have nothing to learn? Or do you strive to listen to them, allowing the scriptures to teach both of us the way forward? Within our church life together, is it all about you and your needs? And, uh, or, or is it about labouring for the health of others? Do you hold on to grudges? Or do you forgive as you have been forgiven? Those are just some of the choices that face us in the light of this passage. So as we draw to a close, let me return to Lance Sterling. Because if, you saw, if you've seen the film, The Proud Servant, The, the Proud um, Agent, you would see that something very unusual happened to him. Because Lance Sterling, this proud super agent, was actually turned into a pigeon. No less. He was transformed into a common pigeon. Well, to say that he was not happy is an understatement. He hated all the indignities of being a pigeon, especially as nobody recognised who he really was. And yet here's the thing. It was through that humiliation that he understood the people around him so much better and learned from them. Well, God the Son was not forced into doing something he didn't want to do. No, he chose to be humbled. And he chose to be humbled so that we can be changed. So that we can truly live as we should do. Humble lives. Those who put the needs of others first. Well, may we be those who not only reflect on Christ's astounding humility, may we be also those who imitate his astounding humility. May the Lord bless each of us as we continue to reflect on these words. Let us pray and come to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this word. Father, we thank you for Christ's astounding humility. And Father, we thank you that we have been able to reflect 
on just something of what it must have cost for the Son, the co-eternal Son of God, to have to learn to walk again. To have to be dependent on the very mother that he created. Father, we scarce can take this in. And yet he went through all of this, even suffering on a cross, so that we can have life everlasting. And therefore help us to be all the more willing to be deprived, to be second best, so that others can hear something of the gospel and see something of the gospel in action through our lives. Hear our prayers. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.